but I know you've got a faithful God and you're partaker also of the consolation. So thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his mercy. We've got a lot to rejoice about. Uh, Peter's just got done telling us wherein you greatly rejoice, uh, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Not only you got to worry about a virus, now you got to worry about having a job. Uh, and uh, all those things lay heavy on the home. A lot of those things uh, put strain on a relationship, not a marriage. A lot of those things put strain on children. Um, they see mommy and daddy struggling and um, all these things that come about. And that's just the reality of life. I don't know who painted this fairy tale picture. Uh, maybe it was some Hollywood movie uh, somewhere that we got the idea we weren't going to go through anything. Uh, but that's the reality of life. And so I just want to encourage you uh, that, that God is able to help you uh, to greatly rejoice though your manifold temptations. And so you can rejoice through times of trials and sufferings. And that's what Peter's been trying to help us to see. That is the Christian life. Um, that is, uh, some people don't put it in those terms. They paint a picture to a lost man that somehow he can repeat a prayer and his life will just be roses and glitter and uh, he'll live happily ever after and God will solve all of the problems. Uh, sir, ma'am, when you get saved, your problems might just begin as far as down here. Uh, Jesus set the example and he set it in Paul as well. Uh, that in this life you shall have tribulation. Um, we've had some good times. This country's enjoyed some uh, spiritually fruitful times and some financially fruitful times. And But none of those are promised to us. God could rob this country of every dime it's got and bring us to our knees and we could be in the awfulest depression by the end of the month. Uh, there's no telling. That's God's business. He's got the power to do it. Uh, we've been promised nothing like that down here uh, other than I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Uh, so God's going to take care of you. That much you do know. Uh, and so your 401k might not be there, but I can promise you God will. Uh, and the God of all consolation will be with you. Uh, so we need to... Um, just remember uh, what Jesus told him. He didn't hide discipleship uh, in the fine print uh, of the contract. Uh, God made it very clear uh, of what was going to happen to a man if he was going to deny himself and follow Jesus. Now, you're going to go through a lot of those things, earthly speaking, physically speaking, uh, but he also was very quick to come right back around and say uh, it would be restored a hundredfold, I believe. Somebody asked him a question and said, what what about us that have left houses and lands and families and uh, we've forsaken so much to follow you? Uh, nobody's going to outgive God. He's not indebted to anybody. Uh, all those things will be restored a hundredfold. Uh, so you may be in this life and they go without and you may suffer and you may go through all those things, but it's not worthy to be compared to what he shall. I'm telling you, we've got a home and a hope uh, that's sure and steadfast. And so uh, just be encouraged, encourage yourself in that and uh, be uh, encouraged to know that you've got a God that loves you. He's not left you. He's not, uh, 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 he 
relinquished his authority and his power over the nations. And so he's got all power still. And uh, he is going to do right. The Bible says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And I can promise you, God's going to do right. We may not understand it, but it'll be right when we see it in the end. Uh, God's going to do right. And so he's trying to tell us and help us to see as Christians, as strangers and pilgrims in a land they don't belong in, uh, as those, uh, as it were, uh, singing the songs of Zion in a strange land. Uh, how are we to operate in this uh, strange land that we find ourselves in? And so he continues to tell us that gives us all the uh, spiritual truth to help us, encourage us through this time, how that we're kept by the power of God. And he goes on and just tells us so many blessed truths about being a Christian. Uh, you could just uh, live in this uh, chapter number one of First Peter uh, and encourage yourself for probably the rest of your life. Uh, but anyhow, so he goes on and what a great truth and tells us we're born again. Uh, all those wonderful truths to help us through this suffering. Uh, it's one thing to suffer uh, when you're at home. I uh, just follow my rambling here a minute and we'll get on down through here. I'm not going to recap all that. But I was thinking about this a little bit today. Uh, if I get sick, the last place I want to be is anywhere else but home. There's just something about going home. You get in your own bed. You got your own bathroom. You've got your own uh, recliner. And it, you can have a fever and be vomiting or nausea or whatever you're going through. You can have that sickness. But if you're at home, there's a certain comfort to it. It's something uh, that maybe relieves some of the, the pain and the anguish. Um, uh, the uh, worst thing that can happen is when you get sick and you're in an unfamiliar place place with unfamiliar people uh, and you can't leave and you, some of you know what I'm talking about I'm sure uh, and so uh, it, it takes a lot it's gonna we're gonna need a lot of help uh, to go through all this suffering in a strange land we don't belong here uh, we are Christians in America but we do not uh, oh our, our citizenship is in heaven number one is where our uh, real uh, allegiance lies and so we must remember that. But he goes on down. He comes down to chapter number two and lays down many more expectations uh, and tells us so many much more, so many more blessings. And uh, dearly beloved, and he starts talking about being those strangers and pilgrims. And he tells us uh, the first thing he tells us is about we need to be holy. Uh, we need to be humble. Uh, and he goes on and tells us how that we're to show honor, uh, honorable, uh, and then continues on. He deals with the relationship to work, uh, the relationship. Relationship to a lost and a dying world, uh, and then he uh, relations to one another as loving the brotherhood, uh, and then he's going to go on and deal with some things in the home back down towards the end. Uh, but we get down through here. Let's start in verse number twenty-one of First Peter chapter number two. Uh, for uh, let's see, verse number twenty. For what glory is it if, when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But what? If, uh, but if, excuse me, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, uh, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His footsteps. Uh, so you've been uh, called uh, into this example that how Christ suffered. The Bible says uh, how he suffered. He took it patiently. And he goes on in these last part of this verse where we ended up last time and tells us about the suffering Savior. And look down at your Bible with me in these last couple of verses and we'll get into chapter number three. Uh, but just, in re just to recap with you in talking about the sufferings of our Savior, uh, we see that his suffering was a sinless suffering. Uh, the Bible tells 
tells us how he did no sin. Uh, never was there sin in him. Uh, there wasn't an ounce of rebellion as a child to his parents. Uh, there was no sin in him. Neither was guile uh, found in his mouth. So we see uh, the suffering of our Savior. He's left us a pattern. And so the suffering of the saint uh, should go in the same pattern. Now, um, we do have the power to overcome, uh, but we won't be without sin. The Bible tells us that. If any man says he has none, he's a liar. And uh, so we are going to still struggle with the flesh. Um, uh, we're still dealing with that. We're to reckon what's been ruled. Uh, so reckon ye yourselves dead indeed. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Uh, and so we're to reckon what God has ruled because we're still alive in this strange land. Uh, so we're going to have problems. But God, the, the expectation is that we should be holy, that we should be sinless. Here's the pattern we have, the Savior. He's sinless. We should also be careful there in suffering, uh, not to lash out with our tongues, not to uh, be involved with things we wouldn't normally do if we weren't suffering. Uh, and many of you know what I'm talking about. You get sick or you begin to get attacked. Uh, and many of us are we're just as much of uh, flesh as we've ever been. Uh, our flesh is not saved. And you back a man into the corner and push and push and push and push and push. Uh, if he don't get himself under the uh, direction and yield him his members uh, under righteousness, uh, he might push back. And so uh, anyhow, um, we all understand those things. But the expectation is if we're going to make a difference in our suffering, we're going to have to suffer, taking it patiently and suffer like Jesus did. And Jesus did that without sin. And so we need to be holy in these days and during our suffering. If we're going to make a difference in the world, we're going to have to be holy. And we're going to have to uh, come apart and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Now, uh, his, sin, his suffering was a sinless suffering. It was a submitted suffering. Uh, he submitted himself. Uh, we know all about, uh, we dealt with that last time, and we went down and looked to how he committed himself unto him that uh, judges righteously. And so we're going to have to do the same thing in our suffering. Uh, we're going to have to be committed. We're going to have to submit ourselves uh, unto the Lord, but also unto those, um, uh, humble ourselves unto those that are mistreating us and things like that. Uh, so it was a submitted suffering. Uh, it was also a substitutionary suffering. Uh, this is uh, the just for the unjust. This is the pattern uh, that he's talking about. Because look, he's just said in the previous verses uh, that you will suffer for doing well. Um, you're suffering because maybe something someone else did. Uh, it may have not been your sin that caused uh, the virus to come spreading through here. Uh, but somebody caused it. I mean, all of those things are a mark uh, and a direct reflection and cause of the curse. Uh, so sin uh, is a cause of it somewhere, somehow. Uh, but you're going to suffer because of something someone else has done. And so did your Savior. Your Savior suffered for what you did, not what he did. And so he expects us to still take patiently suffering we didn't cause. And so because he's left us a pattern, right? So it should be sinless. Uh, it should be submitted. Uh, and in, that, in, the, in the sense in which we suffer, his was the great substitutionary death, the just for the unjust, has satisfied God by the offering of himself, put away sin forever. You and I don't do that. 
but we do substitute ourselves in to suffer uh, for others. You think about a missionary God calls and puts on the mission field. He voluntarily betrays himself and what's best for himself and goes to another country and suffers getting diseases his body's never had. He gets malaria. He drinks water his stomach's not accustomed to dealing with. Bacteria that he's not used to dealing with. Uh, he gets sicknesses. He, he deals with not being able to go to, and this sounds silly, but you and me, if we get hungry, we can go. We, most of us don't have to travel 10 minutes to find something to eat. Uh, and he may have to go to places where there is no, there's no Kroger and there's no, he, 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 he voluntarily uh, denies himself and what is best for him uh, to go and suffer for other people. Because if he don't go, they'll die and go to hell. If he doesn't go through and endure afflictions as a good soldier, uh, those people will not hear of this gospel that brings peace, this gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. And so he must go and he must endure and he must take patiently those sufferings. Uh, and that's easy for me to say. I'm just preaching it uh, because it's true in the Bible. Uh, but that's what the Lord did. He was substitutionary. If a man uh, loves, uh, loves his friends, he laid down his life for his friends. No greater love hath any man than this. Uh, and the Lord did that, but we should do that for one another. We should bring, put ourselves into compromising positions on the sake, for the sake of others. Um, we are, God's people have always been that way. You can look at most hospitals, most Red Cross, and many other places were begun by people who professed godliness, who loved others. You look at, uh, and they may disagree with us theologically, certainly, uh, but you look at Franklin Graham and all that they're doing in these other countries when they were dealing with Ebola, when they were dealing now they're in New York City, putting themselves into harm's way. Um, that's the spirit of Christ. Uh, that's the spirit of putting yourself in compromising positions uh, so that you might help other people. And we can certainly attack them theologically and what they believe. We believe we're uh, a lot, but they've got one us one up us on us there. Uh, we're uh, safely secure in our little places, uh, in our little homes, uh, and others uh, that uh, anyhow are putting themselves in compromising positions that they might have an opportunity to help and be an example and a light to someone else. And so it was a substitutionary uh, suffering. And so we see the pattern, the great pattern left for us by our Savior and how we should be suffering and how uh, that we should take it patiently. And then you come on down after you get to verse 24, who bears our sins, our, his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, uh, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And uh, so we must remember that uh, God is concerned about holiness and the life of a Christian. Uh, God wants us to live right. Um, it doesn't seem to be a major focus in most, most, many pulpits in our day, uh, but God is greatly concerned with this matter of holiness and righteous living amongst his people. And uh, so we are alive unto Christ, have been buried with him in baptism and rose again to walk in newness of life. And so we should do that, walking and living in righteousness, uh, showing the world uh, that we can still do right in the member the, the mindset here is suffering so he is telling
killing people that are suffering pain and anguish and all of these various things. It's sometimes easy to do right when everything's going right. Uh, but sometimes it's a whole lot more difficult to do right when you're suffering, especially when you're suffering and you hadn't done nothing wrong. Uh, that is very difficult, but that is what he's talking about here. Uh, now that goes, it transcends situations. Uh, so uh, even, even when things are going well, a lot of times it's difficult to do right. Sometimes that can even be more dangerous. But the expectation here is in the midst of suffering, amidst of trials, when people are mistreating you for things you didn't do, when you're suffering uh, at the hands of people that have made horrible decisions and you're having to suffer because of that, uh, uh, taking it patiently, suffering uh, and living, doing right in the situation. And so that's the expectation and the example, the pattern that's been laid before us here by this suffering Savior. And so look at verse number 25. We'll get on into chapter number three. But look at verse number 25. And we looked at number one. We looked at the mark uh, of, the, of the New Testament Christian. For ye were, that's past tense. Ye were as sheep going astray, uh, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the, bishops of, and the bishop of your souls. And so we see now uh, how that this great shepherd of the sheep has returned us, uh, has reconciled us, for God was in Christ reconciling uh, the world. He's your days man. He's the one that has uh, reconciled you back to God and established a relationship. And now the Bible says there's peace with God. God. Uh, so now we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, we have that by this great shepherd. But it doesn't just talk about the returning and his offering of himself. Uh, uh, it says for ye, here's, here's what he's saying. Uh, so you who bear our own sins in his body, that we should live under righteousness. Why? Because look what you were and look at what you are now. And so that's following that same pattern we saw in chapter number one. But he ends this chapter saying, for ye were as sheep going astray. So why should you live right? Why should you suffer and go through these times of trials and troubles and uh, uh, open not your mouth, not revile when you're reviled and uh, uh, not threaten uh, when you're mistreated? And all the pattern that's been laid before us by our suffering Savior, uh, how it is substitutionary, how it was sinless and it was a submitted suffering and all those various uh, aspects and those truths that we know about the Lord. Uh, how can we do that? Well, he said in the previous verse uh, that he bear our sins in a the body. There's, there's good enough reason uh, why you and me should live right uh, because Jesus has died for our sins and delivered us from the power and the penalty of those sins and the pleasure, by the way, uh, of those sins. And they have no more dominion over us any longer. And so his, his stripes healed us. And so we should live right. And then verse number 25, he comes back and says, uh, don't forget this. You were as sheep going a Stray. Uh, you weren't seeking after God. You weren't trying to find God. Uh, the world was in um, sometimes the pictures painted of what the world was like when Jesus was on the earth. He was under, you talk about a tyrannical form of government. Uh, when Jesus came and lived and bled and died on this earth, his ministry was under the, some of the most oppressive, uh, God hating governments that's ever been known to mankind. Uh, and Jesus ministered during those days. He was hated of 
of his own people. He was hated by everybody, uh, the Bible tells us. And, and so they're going to hate us because they hate him. But you were as sheep going astray. Uh, you were, you know, the, we all know the great truths about a sheep. Uh, a sheep has no real defense mechanisms. He certainly has no offensive weapons. A sheep is one of the dumbest, most vulnerable. And I, I, I've heard people say that so many times um, about how dumb sheep are in preaching primarily from Psalm uh, 23. Uh, but uh, I would have to beg to differ. I think a cow is about the dumbest thing uh, that you could come across uh, as far as animals are concerned. But anyway, uh, they say a shepherd's not, a sheep is not very smart. They say a sheep is very vulnerable. Sheep are, uh, have no defense mechanisms, no weapons in which to attack their uh, enemies. Uh, nothing a sheep could do is not going to outrun a wolf. It's not going to outbite and outfight and outmuscle a wolf uh, or a coyote or, you know, those various animals that would come. Uh, certainly the lion uh, that would come after the little sheep and uh, our adversaries as a roaring lion. A lion can just roar and the sheep will scatter. In fact, the Bible says a sheep is so weak uh, that you smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Uh, that's what we are likened to, likened unto sheep. And uh, the Bible says this is what you were. You were as sheep going astray. A sheep, number one, is vulnerable, certainly, uh, uh, even within the confines uh, of other sheep, inside the fences, inside the boundaries of the shepherd's land. And he's certainly vulnerable even to a human shepherd. He's still a vulnerable uh, creature. Uh, he's uh, certainly without any hope whatsoever. If he wanders alone outside of the flock, uh, he's not going to be able to find his way home and he's not going to have anybody to defend him uh, when the roaring lion and the adversary that wants to devour him comes around. And that's what you were, whether you know it or not, and whether you accept or know that now if you're lost without Jesus. You're like a sheep that has gone astray. You're, you're, you're vulnerable to the enemy, the devil. Uh, you're doing his bidding. You're doing what he tells you to do, whether you believe it or know it or understand it or not. You're of your father, the devil, and uh, his bidding you'll do. And uh, you are just uh, by nature a child of wrath. You're, uh, the wrath of God abideth on you as a sheep that's wandered out by itself out into the wilderness. It is no chance, no hope. That thing's as good as dead. Uh, and it has absolutely very little hope of ever surviving. And that was you, my friend. That is you, uh, Christian, that has been saved by the grace of God. Absolutely no hope and without God in the world. Uh, you had uh, uh, all of the things in which we talked about and that vulnerability of the sheep uh, and not being able to find really its own water, not being able to find the green pastures, not having the senses of say like an elephant is able uh, to detect water and uh, has those various um, keen uh, uh, hearing, keen eyesight, and uh, various things that other creatures have as defense mechanisms. You don't have that. You don't have, uh, uh, we didn't have the ability to uh, find our way back home. Somebody had to come and return us to the chief shepherd, uh, to the shepherd and bishop of our soul. We couldn't find our way home. I didn't even know what questions to ask, let alone the answer. Even Job himself said in chapter number nine, I couldn't if I seek to justify myself. I show myself perverse. I couldn't answer one question out of a thousand that God would ask me. Uh, I, I, have, I have no hope uh, of justifying myself, but I know it's of a truth. A man can be just with God and, and uh, all he needs is to look unto the shepherd and the shepherd of men's souls, the great shepherd of the sheep. Uh, nobody's ever cared for us 
just like Jesus. Nobody's ever, the Bible says in, uh, in Psalm chapter uh, number 23, we won't go back and look there, uh, but I just wrote down just some of the highlighted points here. Uh, here's what he's telling. Now remember, he's asking you to suffer and endure temptations and trials, and he wants you to rejoice. He wants you to live right. He wants you to be holy, submissive, and humble, and all of those expectations. And he closes every one of those expectations of the previous two chapters. And he says, for you were as sheep going astray, but now are you returned to the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. And he uh, exhorts us to remember uh, that somebody came and rescued you vulnerable out into the sinful, sin-cursed, uh, godless world. You were vulnerable uh, to being taken with every disease that they had spiritually. You took, you happily drank of the tainted water of the world of sin. Gladly you drank it in. You drank iniquity like water. There was no soundness anymore in you than was in the filth and the corruption of the world. You couldn't find your way back home. You couldn't defend yourself against the temptations and the overcoming uh, power of sin that drew at your fleshly lust. You had nothing within yourself to defend yourself from the great adversary that wanted to damn your soul uh, to hell. And he gives us the great reason, the great um, uh, 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 expectation that he's laid out before us. And it is very difficult. It's difficult to do what's just been asked of you to do as a pilgrim in a strange land. But bless God, the last verse said, but listen, you were a sheep going astray, but now you're returned to the shepherd and to the bishop of your soul. Now have you been returned? You can do it now because you're not suffering uh, as you would see it out all alone and vulnerable uh, to the power of the enemy. The Bible says you've got a shepherd now. And so yes, you may suffer along with uh, some of the natural fallen world that you live in. You're going to go through temptations and trials, uh, but by the grace of Almighty God, you're not going through it alone. You've got a shepherd that the Bible says, I shall not want. The Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's nothing that I'm lacking. There's nothing that I need. There's nothing that I want. There's nothing that I'm uh, uh, deficient of. This shepherd has met every need, uh, even in my trials, in my suffering, and my temptations, in my darkest hours, even in the valley of the shadow of death, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm going through, if I'm in the high green grasses, if I'm in the walkings by the side, the deep, still waters of God, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I've got a shepherd of my soul who loves me, and, and his rod and his staff, they comfort me. The Bible says, he maketh me to lie down. Uh, there, there's, there is, uh, there is not, it's not by force, my friend. It's by the fact that I, what other choice do I have but to lay down beside the still waters? What other choice do I have? Uh, he fights all of my battles. He sustains me by his power. He uh, helps me to overcome the world. He always causes me to triumph. He giveth me the victory. Everything that I have and know and am, I am by the grace of God. And the Bible says we've got a chief shepherd, a chief shepherd uh, now that is making us to lie down. He's causing us. He, by what else can we do when I want to be afraid? I, I can't. When I want to be anxious and filled with fear and doubts and fret, all I got to do is open my Bible and remember. He just maketh me. What other choice do I have but to just be calm and, and just to be satisfied? 
satisfied. I have, I'm completely satisfied, as Brother Stenett would say, a 100% satisfied customer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are sheep. We were sheep going astray. I'm not talking about dispensationally. I'm talking about physically, spiritually speaking. We were wandering and going astray with no hope. But God came and rescued us by his great shepherd. And now that shepherd has us in his fold. Uh, the Bible said other sheep have I which are not of this fold. And that's you and me, Gentile dogs. Uh, Jesus grafted in. And now we're the she- we are sheep of his fold. Uh, he is, uh, we can claim verses like Psalm 23. Uh, we can claim those great chapters in truth as sheep of the great shepherd. He calls us up to lie down. Um, look at these others just real quickly. Uh, he uh, uh, restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. He is comforting me with his rod and his staff. And then I wrote here quickly, in the presence of the wolves, you have a table to feast at with oil of joy and peace anointing your head and your cup running over. I know we're in uh, the river age, uh, but still, uh, the Bible says my cup runneth over. And I'd like to just say that same truth, that there's never been a time I have no want. Now, if I wander from the shepherd, if I wander out in the far countries, if I wander out into the world, if I uh, get away from my Bible, if I purpose myself to get away from the shepherd, then I'll have some wants. I'll be lacking. I'll be deficient as it were. And uh, so the Bible says he's my shepherd. I shall not want his rod and his staff and we're lying down in peace and comfort. And when the wolves are nipping at your heels, uh, when the wolves and the lions, are, the, the, the wolf is howling and the lions roaring and raging and the enemy is nipping at the heels of a vulnerable, innocent little old sheep that can't do nothing about it. Uh, the Bible says, the picture's painted, uh, that you are sitting there. God has prepared a table for you in the wilderness in the presence of your enemies. I don't know of a greater enemy of a sheep uh, than a wolf. I don't know of a greater enemy of a sheep uh, than a roaring lion. Uh, and the Bible says, in the midst of all of those enemies, in the middle of you, being uh, attacked on every side uh, with the devil would like to destroy your testimony. He'd like to destroy your life. He'd like to he may not get your soul but he'd like to damage anything you could ever do for God and he's nipping at your heels and he's a liar and he's attacking and he's uh, coming after you and you're suffering and you're going through all of those things in the very presence of the enemy, the great uh, uh, the wolf the uh, um, uh, that roaring lion as it were right in the presence of the greatest enemy that you've got. Uh, God's able to set a table uh, in the wilderness. God's able uh, to calmly just pour oil and anoint your head with oil and let your cup runneth over and you can set it peace. You can feel your heart and your belly full of the feast of God that's prepared uh, for you at that table in the presence of those because God's got him on a leash and he can't go any further than God will let him go. And if God wants to sit down in the middle of that field with that enemy just on the outskirts of that field, sniffing and roaring and looking, seeking to devour, God will set you down at a table and he'll skirt himself about and serve you in the presence of mine enemies. Hallelujah. We've been returned unto the great shepherd, uh, the great shepherd and bishop of our souls. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. I thank God for that. We've been returned uh, to the great shepherd. I want to thank God for that. Boy, I thank the Lord that he returned me. I thank God that he's, um, I was just wandering out into this world. I couldn't find my way. There was no truth in me. I couldn't find the truth. I, I, I knew there had to be something more to life than for a man to just get up and live in coldness and deadness and darkness. I knew there had to be something more to life. If there was a God, surely there had to be something more. And my God caused my heart to begin to seek after him. And he began to draw me with those cords of love and began to show me there is more to life. There is something more to life. You want to just believe that you're just annihilated when this thing's over and you want to reject there's a God at all. Help yourself. It's sad. I hate to see people do that. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, but uh, I tell you, friend, I, I know there was a time of darkness in my life. And then I know there was a time when Jesus returned me uh, that uh, there was light and joy and peace and uh, all the things that are listed in Psalm 23. I've experienced multiple times every single one of those great truths. The great faithful shepherd. You don't ever have to worry about him getting distracted uh, and you uh, losing yourself to the enemy. If you lose uh, a limb, if you lose yourself uh, to the enemy, your life here, so to speak, uh, Christian, it'll be because you wandered astray and you went astray yourself. Uh, it won't be because of the deficiency of this great shepherd. He's got all power. He's able to keep those. The Bible said, remember in John 17, uh, where he said uh, that he's lost none. Uh, all that God hath given me will come to me. Uh, and all those that come to him, the Bible says he will in no wise cast down. Uh, the Bible even says that he's got us uh, in his hand. No man can pluck us out of his hand. Uh, there's not powers, no principalities. There's nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You've got a faithful shepherd uh, that gives his life for the sheep, gave his life for the sheep, and now you're safe and secure and at home and at ease in the presence of your great shepherd and his rod and his staff will certainly comfort you he'll feed you he won't just give you water uh, that raging water that a sheep is too scared uh, to get in he'll lead you and get you down beside the depth the cool deep uh, still waters to be able uh, to satisfy yourself uh, and lay down can you imagine uh, being a vulnerable sheep in the wilderness with wolves and lions and all kinds of things around you and being able to just lay down at ease in the green pastures, friend. Uh, that's what God has said he's done for you. And so when he asks us to suffer a little bit just for a little while and tells us it's not worthy of what to compare of what's going to be hereafter, when he asks us to suffer a little while and to do it without reviling again, and when he asks us to suffer patiently, when he asks us to suffer having done no wrong, 
wrong, when he asks you to be holy, when he asks you to be harmless, when he asks you uh, to, uh, uh, to be uh, 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 giving yourself and committing yourself and uh, for the substitutionary suffering as he led by example, when he asks all of those things, my friend, he's not making a request uh, for something uh, that he is, is something that's impossible for you to do. He is asking you to do that, uh, having still uh, providing for you every ability in which to follow that command. Uh, you can do it. You can suffer patiently. You can take being wrong. You can do all of the things that the Lord has left you a pattern to do uh, because greater is he that is in you than he that is within the world. And so thank God. Hallelujah. Uh, he has dealt with in verse 24, 1 Peter, and he's talked about the substitutionary uh, sinless sacrifice of himself and when he put away sin forever and he deals with the gospel there that's the death that's the going down that's the dying but then he deals with the resurrection uh, we're coming out of Easter Sunday and uh, the resurrection a great resurrection verse here uh, would be chapter number 25 uh, because uh, we have dealt with 24 that's the dying and then verse number 25 is the life for now you are a sheep going astray but are now returned that's the life you can have. If you're lost, can I, can I, can I exhort you? Can I beg you? Can I beseech you to please understand something that verse, thank God for verse number 24. He bear your sins in his body on the tree and God will, that great transaction that will take place in heaven in which God will Move to your account the righteousness of his son and account to him all of your sin and all the wrong and all the iniquity will be upon him. And you can go free with the righteousness of Christ, which is by faith of him. And you can have that. And that is wonderful. I thank God for the forgiveness of my sins. I, I, I don't know where I'd be. I, even as a lost man, I was ashamed of what I was. And I thank God for the peace he's given me of knowing that my sins are forgiven in Jesus. But my friend, there's more to it. In verse number 25, there's a life down here, not just when you get over there. There's a life down here with a shepherd that loves you, that will protect you, that will comfort you. Can you imagine those sheep getting scared to death hearing the roar of a lion? Can you imagine what that sheep would do? They say that a shepherd's voice is so calming to a sheep, not only in the truth of knowing his voice. The, a real shepherd has a certain tone to his voice and the uh, sheep will follow him and not another. Uh, but uh, can you imagine, they say that the voice of that shepherd is, is calming, is soothing. Uh, he can make certain noises. He can uh, sing. He can do certain things. And it will calm this. It will calm those sheep that are nervous and scared and fretting and anxious. 
Now, how much more are you and I, friend, when we hear from Jesus? Uh, does he calm our every fear? Does he uh, comfort our every distrust, our every uh, anxiety? Um, uh, the voice of our great shepherd, I've never heard him with my ears. I've heard him much deeper than that. There's been a still, small voice for some 12 years now, 13 years now, that speaks into the deeps of my soul. And when I hear from him, all that in this this world that can be shaken uh, remaineth things that cannot be shaken. My peace with God, uh, my consolation of the Spirit. And so the world shakes around me, but uh, as Hebrews says, there's some things that don't just remain here. There's some things in your soul uh, that God may shake up every now and then, uh, but there's some things that'll remain uh, inside of you if we could just hear the voice of the shepherd. And so I want to exhort you to get saved, get born again, not merely to have your sins forgiven and go on about your life like nothing ever happened. Uh, you give yourself wholly to this Savior. Let him not only forgive your sins, but let him give you an abundant life filled with joy and peace, a life that you can live and for the better of others um, and stop living for yourself. You can have a peaceful, joyful life. I'm telling you, there's a faithful shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Now, I think I, well, I know I've probably been too long. May have bored others, but boy, the Lord's helped me. Encouraged my heart. I needed this. I needed this. Boy, I tell you, we need to remember not ever get too far away from the cross where the Prince of Glory died. Jesus suffered. And then it says for us, you were as sheep going astray. And boy, don't get caught up. Don't stop there. That's what you were. Remember, he ends this chapter with what you are. You are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. He's the bishop of bishops, the pastor of pastors, the shepherd of all sheep. And so stay with Jesus. Don't don't go astray. Don't wander. Don't don't get away from the from the shepherd. Just stay faithful uh, through your suffering. Remember how Christ suffered for you. And that will help encourage you to suffer for others. Now, I'm going to stop. Uh, at least we got done with chapter number two. We didn't get to where I wanted to. But at least we got one another chapter down. So uh, as you read forward into chapter number three, uh, he's going to take this now and apply it to the family. And he's going to take two things that he's just used and concentrate on them to the wife and to the husband. And so we'll look at those as we come back, maybe later on. But we'll see how he deals with the wife about humility. Now, he's already dealt with humility because we have to be humble in our dealings with others and our dealings amongst ourselves. But he really concentrates here especially in times of suffering. Now, this must be a suffering time because he's going to say in the very first verse, this woman who he's exhorting uh, to be humble, he is exhorting her, uh, taking into account that she has a husband who will not obey the word of God. And so we need to remember uh, 
keep in mind in the context, most of what's being dealt with is dealt with in the context of suffering. And I have seen some ladies really suffer. That's why I want to tell you young ladies, uh, that's, don't get scared to death. You're going to die alone. Jesus said you'd be better off alone than to jump out there and get yourself unequally yoked together with a man that does not know God. Uh, you are going to be in a mess. You're going to ruin your life. And then you've only got a 50-50 chance of him ever changing, getting right with God and having a home that might possibly honor God. Uh, it's no guarantee because you've seen it happen in the lives of others, young lady. Let me tell you something. There's a whole lot more you haven't seen in lives of other people. Uh, that maybe you need to ask around and see. Yes, there's been some, I'm, I'm a good example of that. My wife was outside of the will of God when she married me. She should not have married a lost man, uh, but she was operating in the light that she had. And uh, I think there was some mercy there by the Lord and God um, uh, helped us and, and thank God he saved me and uh, was able to uh, put the, our family in a proper place and, and thank God for that. There's been a lot of those testimonies through the year. But at any time you want to ask me, I'll be happy to give you some examples of some young ladies that were saved and got in the same situation and that man did not get saved. And so I, you better be extremely careful about running into situations with people that don't know God. I can't think of a stupider decision. And I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not very well educated. And I don't know any better words to use for you other than that is just stupid to jump into a relationship with someone that does not know God. I've seen it in so many young people. And uh, I, I want to please exhort you. Uh, I'd rather die alone with Jesus uh, than to get myself in a position and give myself wholly over to a husband. Uh, he's exhorting that the truth still stands even to a husband that doesn't know God. Uh, and that you're sub to submit, your, submit yourself to your own husband. And so he is going to help this wife that's got in that position. Uh, and it may be, a, a, let's think about this, and I'm done. I said I was done. But think about this. This may not just be a lost man. This may be a saved man. Uh, there's saved men that don't obey the word of God. And so a lot of homes I've seen, um, the husband is generally the one holding that family back from being as spiritual as it could be. The wife is the most spiritual thing in that home. Uh, I've seen those types of things. Uh, but the man may be saved, maybe born again, and maybe he's saved, but maybe there's an uh, area of his life somewhere that he's not obeying the word of God. This same verse will apply. You're to humble yourself. And so we'll see that as we go through how to win that man. And so my title for that would be humility will win. Now, is that not what the verse says? He may be one. Ma'am, if you want to win, if you want to win. Now, winning for me is not you going off and saying, ah, I told you. Winning for me would be honoring God and bringing glory to God in that home. If that's what you, ma'am, want for the home then you will not ridicule that into him. You will not belittle that into him. You will not, there's no other way for you to win, but then for you to humble yourself. And by your chaste conversation coupled with fear, the Bible says he can be won without the word. Now that's a mouthful of a statement if you really, really meditate on those verses. And so we'll look at that as we come back soon enough. He'll deal with humility. 
And then he'll deal with honor. The husband is to honor the wife. Now he's already dealt with honor, remember, back in the first part of chapter, in the middle part of chapter number two, uh, in telling us to honor all men and love the brotherhood and fear the king, you know, there. Uh, But a man is to honor his wife. Uh, Young men, you need to remember that. Uh, Your wife's not a stepping stone for you to get what you need. She's to be honored. She's to be valued, respected. And so these are some, <laughs> these are some great expectations we have, Christians, but we can do it. You know why? Because you were as sheep going astray. And now, now, now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. Lord, we love you. Uh, thank you for the word of God tonight. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for our church. Thank you for these men that have considered coming and preaching to us for a couple of days in uh, the meeting. Uh, these are different times, Lord, but we want to just be faithful to continue to do uh, what you've asked us to do. So, uh, Lord, we love you. Help all of our people. Uh, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you, and we'll see you, God willing. We'll see you Sunday.